I'm happy. Please welcome my guest. Uh, he is a fabulous comedian. I just watched his special called Take Note. It's on Amazon Prime. I loved it. And also, you wrote a book about zombies, and I want to hear about all of it. Um, how are you doing? What are you working on right now? Like, what's happening creatively? Oh, I'm doing well. Um, Weapon, I'm writing on a game show. Uh, we're on hiatus right now, but it's a game show called Funny You Should Ask. It's um, very much like Hollywood Squares, and it's the, the game show where every question has a funny answer. So um, I write the trivia questions and the jokes. It's, um, it's a Byron Allen thing, and I guess you've worked with Byron in the past, right? I worked with Byron Allen on three shows. One was Comics Unleashed, the, the ones in the couches. Remember the little mini couches? Right, right. The ones, I, I remember shows by their furniture. No, I'm just kidding. I remember shows by their set, their set pieces exclusively. It was um, uh, Comics Unleashed and was the first show I ever did comedy on. And then I was on his show comedy tv i was the host so i hosted uh the, right. the season and then um with uh bernadette polly and then i was on something that he made called who wants to date a comedian oh nice nice yeah you did a great job hosting um those um comedy tv shows thank you Dwayne. that was yeah, that I was just... sorry go ahead no, I just saw one recently. You were great in it. Uh, like, you know, they they, re, they rerun forever or so. Yeah. Which one did you see? You know, who was the comic? Uh, I feel like, um, did you host when Kevin Avery was on it? Do you know I hosted, I must have introduced like a hundred comics on that right, shoot. Right, right, right. And it would be like a list of like, 10 at a time or something. So I would be literally like going out, having an earpiece, having the director speaking to me, like in front of the audience being like, and then grabbing the name. And then Byron would be sitting backstage and I'd run back, grab the comics name. And he would be like, say this, say this joke about this person. And I would run out, say it. And then the director would be saying something in my ear. And so it was like, I introduced so many people that I don't remember who was on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got you, I got you, I got you. You know, you were great, though. And so we're on hiatus now, but um, I've been writing on that show, or um, I should maybe I should say content producing on that show, and um, that's an industry thing. And, yeah, so other than that, hopefully maybe coming up with another special at some point in the near future and just other projects I'm trying to get, you know, a lot of writing, a lot of writing stuff, and the book, of course. Okay, so let me ask you, when you're writing on Funny You Should Ask, do you do that from home now that COVID hit, or how do you, how do you guys, how are you doing that now? Yeah, you know, um, we were writing in Culver City, where his studio is, and then when the quarantine hit, they let us work from home, which is really great. I had always wanted to work from home. I had been campaigning to work from home. I would. I had been telling anyone who would listen, why do we have to come in to do this? It's like, uh, you know, people don't understand L.A., but I live in Highland Park. Oh, uh, you do? Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. 
what side like it's, uh the north by 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 pasadena you said um well it's weird where i am is kind of like it's i can literally walk to south pasadena it's kind of a long walk and i'm right next to herman which is a place people don't even know exists but um yeah where is I'm what is what is herman herman is it's this little I don't know if it's a town or a neighborhood. There's a sign that says Welcome to Herman. And then, like, literally, if you're driving a minute later, you're not Herman anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm basically near Figueroa. Like, I'm, um, Figueroa is, like, I can walk to Fig. And uh, I, I'm not close to York, but I'm right off Fig. And when I first moved here, all the action was on York. All yeah. the, uh, the quote-unquote action. And now it's more on Fig. It's more... Figueroa is where the, you know, the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, what do you call those things where, where the hipsters? there's a show in the back. The speakeasies, there's a speakeasy. What? There's, That's cool. comedy there too. I mean, they, they, they were doing comedy there. It's like a barbershop, but it's a functional barbershop. And in the back, there's a restaurant and a bar. That's because... so cool. Highland Highland Park is, is so cool and weird yeah because you need a barber shop with your bar and your comedy show right 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 so i was driving to culver city every day which is not every you know which is i mean for people who are not in la it's like maybe 14 miles but it's yeah. like 45 minutes to an hour so luckily when quarantine hit they let us work from home which was really really solid that's really um, great um byron is I, uh, that's so cool that you live in Highland Park. I'm going to, I'm going to visit you now that I know you're so close. I, for some reason, I thought you were living in the West side. Why did I think that? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I used to live in the Valley, but I've been here for quite a while now. Okay. Yeah, Cause like, once people, once I think they live in the West side, I just write them off that I'm never going to see them right. again. But now <laughs> that I know that you're in the hood ish hit hood adjacent. I will be right. visiting once this is all please, over. Please, anytime. So wait, are you in like um, Silver Lake or Echo Park or? I'm in East Hollywood. So that's like okay. just like I'm um, walking distance to Silver Lake and Los Feliz. It was within blocks. I know. Okay. That sounds like, is it south or north? That sounds like Thai Town or Little Armenia right. kind of area. So exactly. So if you go past... Uh, Little Bangladesh, Little Armenia, uh, L. Ron Hubbard Way, and Little Thai Town. You're going to see East Hollywood, or as I lovingly refer to it, EHO. I see. I see. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about now. That's cool. Yeah. yeah it's so, good. yeah, we're not too far. And um, so the quarantine has been good. I'm working from home. We're on hiatus now, but that was like, it's weird. Um, it's, it's one of those be careful what you ask for things because. I wanted to work from home. I wanted there to not be traffic or be less traffic. And I got two of my, both of those wishes, which like really were my, like, like there were days I'd drive to work and contemplate like leaving LA just because of the traffic, right? So one false swoop, here comes a quarantine and I'm working from home and there's no traffic. So but great. the other side, is I got nowhere to go, right? Cause we're quarantined, so. So how do you it's think, like, yeah, go ahead. How no, do you, no, I'm just saying, it's like one of those good and bad things. I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I'm sorry. We're both sorry. Um, I, so, um, no, I know. It's like, so how do you deal with, wait, funny you should ask, is Ann Slichter right on that? No, that's not her show. She does a lot of game shows. You me like how to, like what questions you mean? Does Ann Slichter write on uh, Funny You Should Ask? Do you know who that is, Ann Slichter? She must not. You don't uh, know who she is. I don't think so. What's the, what's the, what's the first name, Dan? Ann, A-N-N. No, no, no. Okay. Not, not a Funny You Should Ask. Okay, so what is your, how is it working on that show? Like, are you working, are you enjoying it? Have you worked with Byron before? Um, I've worked with Byron before only in that I was um, on Comics Unleashed a few times, and mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Um, I don't see Byron on a daily basis, but, you know, he comes in. He's, he's very hands-on. I think he has a lot of things going on, but I feel like he's very hands-on with our show because he likes – it takes him back to, like, his days of doing comedy. He gets to be a part of the creative process – you know, he hears every joke. Um, I'm not necessarily a part of that process, but, you know, he comes in and I know we, like, basically every joke we read, he's heard, which is kind of cool. I think on other shows that he works on, I don't I don't think he approves literally every joke. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a, like, it's a blast. You're working with friends. You're making each other laugh in the rooms. You're learning a lot of kind of useless facts. The one thing is, like, I do worry that am I going to like fry my brain, you know, like if you think of your brain as a hard drive and you, you know, you want to put good things on your hard drive. Right. But I don't know if all these useless facts that have, that, you know, are they just going to come and go? Are they going to like mess up my brain? Am I going to need to defrag my mind when I'm done with this? I'm not sure, but the, the, the creative process is a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like it would make you, it would help your brain, like all those facts coming in, especially I felt like watching your special, you know, it was very uh, professorial. I, I feel like you were going for that with the, the set pieces again, and the the Mr. Rogers uh, sweater, which right. I love that personal touch. But I feel like the the facts and the way that you presented it like a college lecture really worked with the comedy. And we've spoken before about your approach to joke writing being you know very mathematical so like maybe these uh all these facts that you're getting on on this job are going to inform your next special i don't know um you know it's possible Uh, one thing for sure is that you know um like you might be a storyteller like me i think i'm observational slash storyteller and Writing on a show, you have to like, boom, you know, it's like you have to become a one-liner in a sense because the show is like, the, the question is the setup and then they punch the, the, um, the panelist, they, they give the joke and they, they do the punch. So it has to be really quick. So I think it's a muscle that um, I hadn't flexed a lot, but I can do it. And so I think it'll, it'll inform my next comedy just in that. When you're telling your story, you have to make sure you have a bunch of punchlines on the way as you tell. And I think um, I'm definitely been working on my one-liner kind of stuff, which is which is good. And 
And it allows me to like have a different voice because I think in a show like this, it's a daytime show, right? But you want to kind of like be as dirty as possible, but still acceptable. Because basically, you you know that people are watching at home. Maybe they're watching with their kids, and you want to you want them to get the joke one way, and their kids to get the joke a different way. And that's a, that's a nice little challenge too. And I I think my comedy, I don't really. That's not my voice per se, you know. Like I'm not super tongue in cheek, but it's, you're writing a lot of tongue in cheek jokes. Where how much can we get away with? And I'm I'm surprised we haven't, you know, knock on wood, gotten into more trouble because we kind of go there sometimes. Do you? That sounds really fun. Do you? Um, did you have to submit for that writing job or interview, or did they just know your comedy and offer it to you? Um, you know what's crazy? I did submit. Hmm. So you had to practice writing in that voice to submit for the show. Well, you know, it was like a new thing for me, but I think I've submitted to so many shows. And when they called me and asked me to submit, I said no, because I first said no, because I didn't want to drop everything. You know how it is. I think you know how it is when you do a submission packet. You might be like, uh, I'm going to go to the beach today and just hang out with my friends. And then you get a call, oh, you got to do the submission packet. And then it's like, drop everything, do the submission packet, spend a day or two just solid work on it, give it to them, and then you never hear back from them again. That, mm -hmm. that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I just I actually just did that. I was kind of on a, not a vacation, but I had a show and then I, I stayed a few days extra and I was kicking it and I had to do a submission package. So I said no to funny you should ask, but they like, they gave me inclination. They gave me some sort of feeling that it was, I was really being considered, you know? Mm. So, so then I said, like, they called me on a Tuesday. I mm. said no. And then they said, well, could you please, they want to, it's not such a big, you know, I said, fine, but I'll give it to you Monday. And it said, no, can you actually do it by Thursday? Because basically, this is the job. You have to prove you can do the job. Like, they don't need you to write these jobs. You don't have a week to do it. Like, we do a certain number every day. Mm. So I did it, and it worked out well. Now, since then, I've had other friends submit, and they haven't been hired. There's a lot goes into that, right? Like, mm -hmm. everyone on the job is really good. It helps knowing people. There's a lot that goes into it. And I think one or two of my friends who I've had submit, they haven't been hired. And I can see they feel like, I don't know, they feel like the bite from it. They feel a little bit like rejected. Mm. Mm. And I don't know how to tell them like that one, that one packet you've done. I've done like 30 submission packets. Like <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then like how they only hire like three writers or something, right? Or like how many writers do you guys have? Like eight? You know what's crazy? We started back when I started, we had six working on the pilots. Hmm. Now I think we're up to like 15 maybe. Hmm. And at, at, a, at the height, we had 20. Hmm. So it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I think everyone is really good. I don't know if it, we need 20, but I think, I think Byron's approach is to have as many jokes as possible so he can choose the ones that he really likes. That's cool that he's so hands-on. And um, like, what, like, what? So, what's your writing process now since you're working from home? Do you like wake up and work out? 
walk the dog. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. What's your process? <laughs> right, right, I'm not going right. to project well, your process. Yes. You know, I'm, um, I'm a type of person who um, I'm very fortunate that I have the ability to sort of sink into a nice routine, but also have the ability to work without routine. And so meaning my process in my mind, what I like my process to be is to get up, um, uh, either work out first or just go start doing work first. I like to get my brain going by first doing, um, a little Spanish. I'm always been trying to learn Spanish for years and years and years. Oh, really? I know a lot of words. You do like a little lesson or what do you do? Yeah, I do a little lesson on uh, Duolingo. I am yeah. so jealous. I, because I learned Spanish in high school, but I've been thinking I want to pick up French again for this, this quarantine. I tell you what, I, I wish, I say Spanish because where we live and Spanish mm -hmm. is, is, is Spanish is more useful. It's and so I'm from handy. New York, yeah, it's so handy. French would be my, like, my dream would be French because I love, I love, um, I've been to France a few times and I really love it. Um, but I work on my Spanish, get my, get my blood going, get my, get the juices flowing. Maybe read an email or two, and then I start writing. You know, but I don't. I don't even write every day. Like I write every day, but I write something different every day. Sometimes it's like TV type stuff. Sometimes I, I, I just did a rewrite on a screenplay I wrote with my buddy Koji, or the book, or blog. Or so whatever. you're doing like your personal writing. You're talking about your personal writing. You'll do that first thing in the morning after your Spanish lesson. And what time length do you put into that, or does it vary? Say that again. What? 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 How much time do you invest into writing your personal projects first thing in the morning? Um, here's the thing. I uh, <laughs> my friends all tease me. I started this program a while ago, right? It's kind of silly, and I haven't fully committed to it only because life happens. Like you make plans, and God laughs at you, right? But I have this thing called cake. Um. And uh, it's um, the it's, it's C A K E, but or C A T E with a hard C. I'll explain it. It's it's um, C A C. So it's basically content, administration, um, conditioning, and what I call elevation. So, oh my God! I love okay, that. Right. And I, I was getting a call. So basically. Um, Content is all the writing stuff, and I, I just sort of like give each thing a certain block amount of units. A unit is twenty five minutes to half an hour, and so um, conditioning I always have like two units a day. Elevation is like Spanish, guitar, anything that's sort of like not money making but important to sort of feed you, you know, as a person, you know. Yeah. Um, administration is emails, getting gigs, that kind of stuff, website posting, all that kind of stuff, and content is just writing. So I just sort of, like, a few years back, I, 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 I sort of, like, weighted that, and I give each thing a certain amount of units, and I try to do a certain amount of units of each thing. Now, the reason why I bring all that up is what I found is that administrative stuff, emailing people, stuff like that, you can do that in these little blocks. You can say, I'm going to take 25 minutes or half an hour, and... I'm going to email this person, that person. I'm going to call the plumber or, you know, get my air conditioner fixed, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to writing or any kind of creative thing, 
Mm-hmm. You don't know when you're going to be most your most fruitful. Mm-hmm. So, um, whereas I can give a half an hour to emails, but any creative thing last year or two, it has to be an hour block. Mm-hmm. Because I think anything shorter than that, you can't force creativity like that. So an hour block or even a two-hour block is how I approach writing whatever I'm writing or reading or whatever. Also, I find that mm-hmm. my job, and you, you probably like this too, like you go to school, you finish school, and then at the end of the day, it's like reading and writing. Reading, writing, arithmetic. Like that's still your job at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. I have to read screenplays, I have to read books, I have to read things, I have mm-hmm. to write things. So at the end of the day, I'm just reading and writing, reading and writing. And the arithmetic is kind of like either working on the contracts or figuring out budgets or just any kind of admin stuff I kind of put in the arithmetic category. So um, I work kind of like, I don't know if you can hear, there's a baby crying outside. I work kind of like in a sense where I can have a schedule or I can drop everything and do one thing that needs to be done, like a writing submission, for instance. I don't know if that makes sense or anything. I'll it's, show you the grid. Okay. Out, I'll show you I grid. need to see the grid. Okay, because I am like a routine nerd. And I got to tell you about my routine because it's very similar. I have different different thing than cake, but that's genius. Yeah. And it's very similar to your, your jam where I do something called CCCC, where each day <laughs> I do... <laughs> I do um, something in the category of connection where I connect with um, friends or colleagues who I want to be working with. Oh, no. And now I'm getting texts. That's so annoying. Let me shut that down. Ah, Okay. Um, And then I do something for, so I do something for connection. I do something for clarity. That's any kind of clarity I'm needing that I do something for cash actions, that's something where anything moving something forward that's gonna actually pay money. And then I do something for creating, and which I also put in the category of channeling, because like if I go on a walk, I'm gonna be actually channeling. I'm gonna be getting this, receiving all these ideas, and then I'm gonna just go home and like download those. And so I do those, but I'm just doing them during COVID. I do them 10 minutes each is all that's mandatory. Um, and I'm doing it with four girlfriends. So Maria Bamford and like two other uh, girls, Robin Reiser, and we we all can we all text each other and say, I did all the I did all the tasks. So all you have to do is ten minutes, but you can do as much as you want. But I find when I take the pressure off, like having to do any more than ten minutes. Um, I get all of them done. I can get all of them done within 40 minutes, even if I'm exhausted and don't feel like doing any of it. But I'm like you, I have to do my creative stuff first. Like I do my morning ritual stuff first, like meditation, walking, and then get into my creative stuff because that's what I need my best mind for where the admin, I can just do that later, like after a nap or something. Right. Right. Cause it's mine. That's great. That's great. You know, I love it. I love that. Um, it's like people who don't have, um, sort of quote-unquote day jobs it's all about managing time yourself and i think um yeah in school they tell you how to manage your time they say here's the assignment do it when you get home tomorrow we'll talk about it they don't manage all of your time but a, a lot of your time um you look you have to manage your own time to do your projects your writing projects this is in school 
then you go to a job and it's sort of like it's just always there's a lot of check-in and 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 so when you get out of that space you have to like build your own routine and i'm glad that you have the accountability with your friends i think that um it's weird we we pick these professions thinking we won't have a boss or we can do whatever we want like for me i feel like i picked comedy and writing and most of what i do is i'm trying to go back to mimic the nine to five life i'm like i'm sort of imposing structure upon myself um but when you impose it upon yourself it's better because it's it's not like you know old man johnson is busting your hump this is like you chose to do this you chose and you know that's important to have ritual to get things done and just to, to, to stay sane you know yeah, I, I find that ritual and structure really help me um, feel safe. But I know some other right. people, they might just like not write at all for 10 days and then do like a burst. Um, but whatever. But uh, that last thing again, I'm sorry. Uh, some people might, um, you know, they might not have a ritual. They might go a week and then just write in a burst. That's like, like I love talking process with people because I love seeing what their individual process. But when I used to feel guilty all the time, like I'm not doing enough. I should be writing for eight hours a day. And I found that like you're saying, like an hour is more than enough for, for creative writing because the rest of the day I'm going into my day and I'm, my mind is still writing. Whereas if I make myself sit there for eight hours, it's going to be a lot of like avoiding doing the work, then beating myself up for not doing more. And none of that is useful, but if you break stuff down into time chunks, like, and you wake up and you're exercising and you're meditating and you're learning Spanish and you're learning guitar and you're answering emails, that's already like eight hours. It is. Of it stuff. is. You know what I found? Uh, I don't know if this is going to kick in. See if this kicks in. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, it's a little better. Yes. What I found is um, this process I have, I call it the grid. And um, the cake, I also call it the grid. Um, it was uh, it was called taking care of business in a flash. I kind of went away from that, but that's an Elvis thing. But also cake, I named it cake because if you do all these things, you can make cake and life is a piece of cake, right? It's kind of crazy. But um, <laughs> what I thought, I thought I was building sort of a, um, a production, a productivity sort of tool and it is in a sense, but when I look back, what it really is, is it's more of a diary or a log of how I spent my time, mm. you know? And what I found was like, um, cause I didn't break it all down. Like I had some things like, uh, you know, acting, work on characters and, um, you know, call family members, all this stuff. And what I found is without question, without fail, every, almost every week, the writing, I would do more than what I had allotted. You know, so if I allotted, um, excuse me, like four units to writing or five, eight, even eight units to writing, I would do 16 units. Ah, I like it. Nice. So I was able to look back and see, like, in a sense, what what I was doing, what 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 naturally I just sort of gravitated toward, you know, because you can force yourself to do a sort of even distribution of all tasks. But in reality, certain things just you 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 want to do more you can do more and you have to understand like 
that's where you need to keep going because as long as you're not like doing it out of um, a procrastination kind of thing, you know, if you kind of like, oh, this is my bread is buttered here because this is where I'm putting more energy toward and why am I putting more energy toward that? So sometimes you can look back and sort of have a record of, you know, what you've done and how you spent your time. Okay, where, okay, I am all about a grid. I keep a... I keep a file on my laptop and I have the date and I have what tasks were done. Where, what is your system for your grid? Where do you keep it? Do you use like an old school day planner or what's your method? Um, no, it's um, on my computer. It's, um, it's an Excel spreadsheet and it's, um, it's color coordinated and I can <laughs> access it through my laptop or my iPad because it's in the cloud. Okay. So, I pull it up on either thing, but it's weird because my thing to do list, sometimes I, I can write my things to do list right on that same spreadsheet, mm -hmm. but I tend to do my um, things to do list on the back of an envelope. Really? It gets me going. Okay. Yeah. And, so like, and sometimes, is it like, sometimes a, it's an, is it like a big envelope? Well, is it like a big envelope or like a standard size? No, like a standard size, like, like, a, like this. Dang. That's crazy is that, um, I feel like I did, I'm not getting stuff done and then I'll find these envelopes and just like, it's just nothing but things crossed out that I did. Okay. That is so funny. Cause I, I like to write mine on a script. So I just. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Meaning I didn't, do, I didn't get them done. So I'm like transferring to different lists. At some point, it's like, okay... Maybe I just don't want to do this thing or it just goes to the top and I'm like, okay, before I do anything today, I got to do this thing, you know? Um, okay. I have a system just like that where if it doesn't get done, I circle it. It goes to the next day. If it's been many days and I'm still not doing it, it's like I have to have that come to Jesus moment. Like, is this a right. thing that needs to happen? Be, or because it's making me start now, starting to make me feel bad because it keeps getting moved. Um, right, right. And, and the other thing is, if it's not getting done, it might be because you need to break it down into smaller parts. Yes, baby so steps. Like, this thing might be too, it's not like, it's not getting done because it's not this thing. It's there's four other things that need to be happened before this. So let me focus on the, the, the smaller things that make up this thing, you know? Um, one time, the crazy thing is I grabbed an envelope because stuff I get in the mail. Uh, I don't know if I showed my address. I hope not. But I I, um, I grabbed an envelope once, and I just wrote a bunch of stuff on the back that I had to do, and I did it. And I turned it over, and I realized it wasn't my mail. It was um, it was put in my box by accident. And there's a guy that lives in like same apartment, but same you know, but a building over. So <laughs> I had to go and give him his mail, and it with all this chicken scratch on the back. <laughs> You know, you know, also like sometimes if I'm really avoiding a task, um, what I need to do is call and ask someone for help. 
and just go, that can be the action for that day. Like, Hey, have you done this before? How did you do it? And just listening to them and, and sort of having a little, hearing a little experience from someone who's gone before me, then might inform my, my, my actions or tasks moving forward. Um, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, it's so simple. I wouldn't think to do that. And I, I think I'm going to have to uh, add that to my, my arsenal. Because that's, that's exactly – because, one, you get help, but, two, you now have an accountability partner. Yeah. Because that person's going to ask you about it again. Yeah. At some point. And then what are you going to say? Oh, I, I called you and I did nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think people then are, are – you know – they get a little skin in the game. They're, they're like now invested because they're you're taking their suggestions. And um, right, I think it makes right. them, it helps people feel useful when we have information to help other people with. But anyway, thank you. I, I, I love hearing about your process. It's so, what sign are you? Um, well, I'm an Aries. Okay. I'm born on the, first, on the first day of the Aries zodiac sign. So I guess that makes me a cuss, but uh, my birthday is March 21st. Okay, because yeah. I thought I thought you might have been a Virgo, based on your right. math, your mathematical approach. But I'm not an astrology expert. I don't know. Do you believe in that stuff? No, Virgos are. You know, it's weird. I don't. I wouldn't say I'm super into it. But the one sign that, like, when you read about that sign and then you meet people, Virgo is the one that is like the most accurate of all the other signs. Like, Virgos are yeah. super organized yeah. and. I don't even I don't even fancy myself that organized. I'm just sort of like um I don't know, I'm just I'm relentless kinda and my my brain is kinda can carry I can I can carry a lot of variables at once, but like if I turn this camera around, I'm not super organized though. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm organized in the places you need to be, um, in right. order to get a lot done. Like you have to have some uh, you have to hit marks. I, I don't know, though. I, I did go out with a, a guy once who got a lot done, but and he was a Gemini, but he didn't have any day planner or any system like that. And I'm like, oh, wow. how? He was a producer. He produced movies. I'm like, how are you getting these movies done with no? He's like, oh, literally didn't worry about it. I think he meant, I think he just had good assistance though, because yeah, I yeah. feel like if you need to be like, if you need to get a lot done in comedy, especially like, it's like all the jokes in my head constantly coming in. Like I have to write them down or I would just be a crazy person walking around with all this. Right. So right, I, don't know. I have to put it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's easy if you're not juggling admin with creativity, when you're juggling both of those together, it becomes really hard. And some people just do linear. Some people literally just do every task that comes up in the order it comes up. And um, that's not optimum, but you can be quite effective that way too. But I don't think for me that's an option because everything is coming at me from different angles. Yeah. So, Dwayne, um, I loved your special, by the way. I thought it was so clever. I was LOLing. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone needs to watch that on Amazon Prime. Is it? And all the places, right? Is it? It's other places yeah, too. Yeah, it's it's on uh, Amazon. Now it's everywhere. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Stars. It's on the LOL Network. It it initially was on um, Netflix for two years. Netflix um, licensed it, 
And yeah, now it's everywhere. And um, I also have two, uh, a special on Dry Bar, which is like a clean comedy kind of website. And I have another thing coming out on Dry Bar, uh, another short special that they're, they're editing right now. Okay, I yeah. wanted to talk about your process making that special because I just made one as well. Like, did oh, you? Thank you so much. Yes. What did you um like? Like, what was that process? Did you? I, it looks like you produced. Did you like? Just tell me about how long did it take to make it? Yeah, yeah. What, I um, it's weird. I was just talking to my friend Ruben about this. It was um that year and, and still now too but i think especially the year i did that because i did that special and then i um did a movie with my friend koji and what Ray, Ray, so you wrote Ray yeah you wrote and directed I, a movie i didn't direct it i wrote and starred in it oh yes. my god um, that's awesome where can we see that um uh, that's on amazon what's Prime it called well. it's called dying dying to kill okay i'm gonna watch it um that that started out as we, let's make a movie for super cheap, and how you do that is you you, you keep the locations down to one location, and it kind of grew out of that. So it's um kind of a horror comedy suspense. I play a stand up comic who's kidnapped by a fan. Really? And um yeah yeah. How long so did it take cool. you to write that? I don't know maybe. Six months? I'm not sure. Was I mean, it about an hour? Was it like an hour a day? Same process? Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. That, yeah, that I wrote with my friend Koji. So what we do is we we sit, we write the outline together. Not always together. And then we um, we just send each other, like, we write like five or ten pages each. And then, so like, you know, you write five pages of the script. You send it to him. He, re he rewrites those five. Uh oh, I think I'm. I'm... Uh oh. Hey there, Did you are. Yeah. I'm sorry, cause you froze. So I'm, I must have froze. Sorry about that. That's okay. So we we go back and forth, and he writes it. He writes this piece, sends it to me. I make any changes I want. I write my piece, send it to him. The beauty of that is that you are rewriting while you're writing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because writing, writing is rewriting. Mm -hmm. um, I would say with that, I don't know. Whatever it takes is when he sends it to me, I have a few days to send it back to him. So probably an hour or two hours a day, that kind of thing. Did you? Um, um, we were, did you do we an outline? Oh my gosh! Did yeah, you yeah. do? Did you do yeah. an outline for the movie, or did you guys just launch into the script? No, no, no. Always an outline okay. for me. You know, I took a. Um, a workshop called the Writers Boot Camp, mm. and it's really—they're really good. Now they have a whole, like, a whole curriculum. You can go and actually, you know, I recommend it. But for me, it was like a six-week boot camp thing, and some of the tools they gave me, I use those tools probably more than anything else. And so I start with a log line. I always start with a log line, and a log line that includes the hero the dynamic character the, the the villain or opposition character sometimes in a, like in a romantic comedy the dynamic character who helps the villain who helps the hero the most is also quote unquote the villain because it's that you know what i mean but in regular it, it, you know it's other than uh, romantic comedies the logline has to be one sentence that has the, the, the hero the 
opposing character, the dynamic character, the tone of what, what it's about, and um, also what happens. And it, like, you really can't write a book or a, a, a plot, a, a TV pilot, or um, a feature until you can say what it's about in one sentence. That's right. Yeah. You know? And and so we work on that log line. We get it down to what is this about in one sentence. Mm. And then from there, we work on the um, outline. And you have to don't rush that process. Then after that, like those two parts are almost harder than the writing the script. Because mm-hmm. if you if you did a great job on those two things, the script won't be so bad, well, so hard to write. Because you just you take the outline and you're just filling it out. You know, you're sort of expanding it. I agree. And yeah. so your outline, how many pages does that come to? And do you also make an accompanying um, poster art visual to work from? Um, I don't, um, I think people do, especially if they're going to direct it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, mainly I just do the outline. That'll be, I think on average for a screenplay, it's like two or three pages, mm-hmm. you know, um, it could be more than that easily, but it's almost like low key every scene mm-hmm. or two to three scenes, mm-hmm. you know? And in a perfect world, like I wrote a pilot recently that people seem to like. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, the every um, every bullet point of the outline mm-hmm. kind of it kind of mirrors the, um, the log line. And what I mean by that is, let's say the log line. Let's say we'll do a movie that everyone knows. Okay, so let's say Rocky. You know, which is if you read any screenplay book, they're going to use Rocky as an example anyway. So it's like when a down on his luck fighter. It's the opportunity of a lifetime um, to fight a heavyweight champ. You know, he has to prove to himself, his trainer and his girl, that he's not. Um... Oh, you're freezing up. Oh, you know what? Oh, you hear me? I think I, I feel like I was on a call that whole time. It's a call ended. That's weird. Was I on a call? A call. Anyway. Oh, but I will say that IG Live, Dwayne, is going to cut us off in 10 minutes because it cuts off at an hour. Can you hear me? Oh, right, right. Sorry about that. So, no, it's not your fault at all that you're so interesting. It just means you're going to have to come back another time, talk to me about all this other stuff. But I guess I should ask you, how long, I want to know, how long was your shoot? How long was your shoot that you shot your movie in? How, what was the quick, the process of making your comedy special? in one or two lines. <laughs> and right. did you have to overcome any obstacles to to make, to get those done? I would love to know that. Um, I think the obstacles were money. Mm-hmm. And um, I think money is an obstacle, but also it's a bit of an illusion. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when I did, I didn't hear the first question, but when I did my special and my movie, my mantra that year was, what would I do if I had all the money in the world? Mm. And if I had all the money in the world, I would do a special and I would do a movie. Um, so I did those things, but not the same way I would have done them if I had all the money in the world. You see? Mm. Um, and I just think once you set your mind to do something, the universe sometimes will, especially if it's something that the universe agrees with, it will conspire to help you, you know, in some ways. So I think I did a kick, I did a uh, Indiegogo campaign to help raise money for the special. Mm-hmm. And I knew Think about the comedy special. I didn't have that much fear because I knew that the jokes and the comedy would be really would be would be stellar, mm-hmm. and um, I knew that even if the quality wasn't that of like 
a million dollar production, people would be okay with it because they're really there for the comedy, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so Koji Sakai, who I wrote Zombie Run with, who I wrote Dying to Kill with, Zombie Run is the book, Dying to Kill is the movie. He um, had a connection at the Japanese American um, National Museum and they have a theater there. So they, we, we shot the special in that theater mm. and um, yeah, very happy with it. I, I, I just, you know, I, I loaded up a truck. I'm, if I'm being honest, I went to a, a place where you can rent things, uh, you know, uh, Hollywood places where you can rent like, yeah. and I rented the blackboard, all the stuff you see behind me. Mm-hmm. I rented that stuff. And um, yeah, I'm so happy with how it turned out. The movie I'm happy with too. The thing with the movie is I heard you talk about perfection on one of your other podcast mm-hmm. uh, episodes. The movie I think I'm proud of, but I know that it's not exactly 100% in my mind. Like I, I'm in every scene. So I know like, like, okay, that scene, I didn't do my best or this scene. I didn't. So it kind of makes me not want to promote it, mm-hmm. but it's still worthwhile and a, a good watch. How, I'm proud of it. That's congratulations. How long was that shoot? How long was the shoot of the movie oh, and the special? That was the shoot, the special, you know, we did two shows. That mm-hmm. was one day. Mm-hmm. And after we, you know, we got all the team together. Mm-hmm. The movie, I would say, under two weeks, just under two weeks. Amazing. Maybe and less. Yeah. So um, I'm doing. So I finished my special as well, and I'm now having. I'm tasked with naming all the tracks because they're releasing it as an album and an audible book as well. How did you right. have a? That's like my last task after all these deliverables that I've had to turn in, which right. like took forever. But um, so I'm really grateful. But what like what is your method for coming up with those tracks? Because I'm like looking uh, like oh I got to come up with all my like the the bits that are going to be like the tracks on the album. Right. Like how'd you do that? Is yours an well, album too? Well, start. Start with this. Is yours an album too? I'm assuming. Uh, it's not an album you can buy, but it is on Sirius FM. They, cool. they play it on Sirius. Not, mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sirius, not FM, just Sirius. It's on satellite radio. Um, I think that um, start with the, your set list, right? Mm-hmm. So you might think of, if you thought of it as, if you wrote down your set list and your set list is, say, 15 different things, mm-hmm. then one conventional wisdom is that it's 15 tracks, okay? Mm. But if you're talking about Sirius and Spotify, Pandora, mm-hmm. all these places where they possibly could play it, mm-hmm. and if you are, if you're signed up with um, Sound Exchange mm-hmm. and you get residuals, that's per track, right? Mm-hmm. So in that <laughs> case, not don't be obnoxious about it. Like don't make every word a track. <laughs> but but in that case. <laughs> enough of a logical end make that make a new track because you want them to um sometimes play two tracks Mm -hmm. instead of one Mm -hmm. you know like if if you have a a, a bit that's six minutes long if 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 you if you're okay with someone hearing the first three minutes without hearing the next three minutes then cut it in the middle make that uh, Mm -hmm. make it two tracks because if the dj that's playing it wants to play both tracks then that's two hits that's too i mean you know it's only a few cents every time they play it but it adds up so okay um, i would say have 
have as many tracks as possible. Thank yeah. you, Dwayne. That's really good advice. I wanted to ask you also quickly, um, you uh, spoke in your special of growing up with your, your single mom, or she was 15 when she had you. Is that like, correct. did you, was that the, the pivotal sort of challenging trauma of your life? Or were there other things that you've had to overcome to get to all the success that you're at now? Um, you know, I think that it was and it wasn't because I didn't really um, have an understanding of her being young, you know, and my grandmother was there to help. Um, I think just growing up in Brooklyn and growing up during like certain drug eras and certain amounts of violence and growing up black, I think those were, were all challenges, you know. Um, but I look back, it's, it's tough for me because I never didn't think I was going to be okay, you know. And so I guess that's one for positive thinking. But also, I was really good in school. So I had reason to, to feel okay about it myself, you know. What do you attribute your great positivity to? Because as long as I've known you, you're you're always very... Right, right. You're very positive and driven and you and you accomplish a lot. So like, what do you attribute that drive to and that sort of sense of I'm gonna be okay? I think it's like my mother's love and compassion, my grandmother's discipline, love and compassion, and my father's intensity. You know, like I'm, I'm really a perfect mix of my father and my mother. My mother is like super smart, super funny, super tolerant. Um, which, which I think people confuse patience and tolerance. She's really tolerant. I have friends of all different walks of life and everything. And my father was really intense and really smart. So I have both. And I think my positivity comes from, it's not like, I just think that if, like if someone's trying to mess with me, you know, I know that they probably don't have, they, they can't, you know, they can't mess with me. Like I'm too, I'm too solid. Um, but also, the Brooklyn in me is like, if they do, it's like if they are successful and if they do crack sort of my inner peace, then they're going to regret it anyway. You know, like they don't, they don't want to see me mad. You know what I mean? So it's like in acting, when you act in a scene with someone, you have a secret that you don't tell that person. Mm -hmm. That secret gives you power, right? Mm -hmm. It might be something you think of them, something they think of themselves. I think my inner secret is just sort of like, uh, I don't know. I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so, Dwayne, what what are you going to do next? You've done your movie and your special in the same year and a book with your writing partner about zombies that, that everyone can buy. What What is yes. – what do you – and now you're writing on this TV show. Like, is what's left for you that, that sounds exciting for you to do? Um, well, the new thing is to take – you know, I think this quarantine has put us all into the – place where we have to put our producer cap on. And I think that, um, you know, I just got my green screen. Um, I just, I just got to put out way more content, you know, obviously another special at some point, but self-contained content is my new thing. Um, be it shorts, be it um, just talking to camera stuff. You know, I've always kind of wanted to be a talk show host. And I think it just starts with putting out a gang of content. So I think, yeah, I'm going to be, doing that now, talking to the camera, talking head stuff, you know, certain, keeping the production value low, but high quality and um, just flooding the market with stuff. You know, the quote Jay-Z, he says, uh, he says, um, 
I gave you prophecy on my first joint, but you all lamed out. You really, did, you really didn't appreciate it until a second one came out. So I stretched the game out, etched your name out, put Jigga on top, and dropped albums nonstop for you. And then he says <laughs> something else. But so anyway, I'm just going to flood the market with stuff that I think is good. I love that plan. And do you do you have any advice for people wanting to make their own movies, their own specials? Um, what's your advice there? Uh, who are up against? Who are up against always, feeling like it's never going to happen? Right. Or... Well, you got to be a fan of the thing you're doing and remain a fan. Because so many of us, like even comedy, sometimes you like you get into these spaces where you're like, I'm not a fan of stand up comedy right now. So you have to like refine the love. So stay, keep your fan hat on because some, it's so easy to like, once you start doing something to stop liking it yeah. you know, or stop liking it on a fan level. And two, understand that you can do anything. It's just a matter of who's going to see it, right? Not everyone's going to see it. So like, if you want to um, get into movies, just start doing it. Just, just, you know, learn about it first and then do it and understand that, um, with each thing you do, maybe not a lot of people will see it, but eventually more and more people will see it. But if you wait till someone gives you permission to do it, you might be waiting for a long time. Yeah, then you're just going to be a waiter. Dwayne, exactly. did you experience any obstacles in comedy? Did you have to, and how did you traverse those, if so? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that the obstacle in comedy, I think it's weird. It's, um, it's sort of like letting people define what you are, who you are. You know, I think like I'm a black guy. I, I love all types of comedy. I love black comedy as well, quote unquote. And, but I think like if you come out at a point like right now, it's almost to me to be a, to be my style of comedy. It's, it's like it's a good thing right now, especially for cats younger than me, because when I came in, it was like, oh, there's Def Jam. Is Martin Lawrence, you know what I mean? Can you be that? And it's like, oh, I'm not exactly that, but you know, and I think, I think you can, um, I think that was my obstacle is, is trying to find my own, my own lane and my own avenue. And I think I wasn't really, I'm the type, I've always been really cool with everybody, but I've never been in a camp or in a clique, you know? I wasn't like uh, an alt guy, even though I, I like alt comedy, I do alt shows, but I wasn't an alt guy. And I think, um, so at some point you got to decide when you're starting, I'm running with these guys. These are my guys. And if not, then be defiant and say, I'm, I'm out here. I'm on, I'm on an island. I'm doing my own thing. And then block out what everyone else says. I think the obstacle for me was like, maybe like sometimes not being black enough, but then sometimes being too black. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just think that, when you're funny and they don't know what to do with you, then you have to figure out what to do with yourself. I love that advice. Okay, this is saying we have one minute remaining before this shuts down. Yes. But I love talking right. to you. I hope you'll come back and, and tell me more. Um, is uh, uh, Do you have any advice for people trying to get through COVID right now and, and the society, everyone, you know, all this stuff oh, happening yeah. in the world? I, I think stay, yeah, just sort of like, you know, fill yourself with good things. Like you can watch people get punched in the face on Instagram or you can watch something on PBS. So watch things that, that like nourish you and also, you know, keep close with family and friends. That's really great. Dwayne. Oh, also how much did it cost to make your movie? Um, 
Well, we were gonna make it for under five thousand. Amazing. But then we got investors, so I don't know. At the end of the day, it was probably uh, between fifty and seventy grand. That's so inspiring. I'm gonna go watch your yes. movie today. I might not have time today, but soon. And I wanna, I'll, I'll, I wanna talk to you more soon. Thanks so much for for stopping by, and uh, for everyone who watched today, thanks so much for watching. Um, you can hear this later. Uh, let's process this anywhere you get podcasts and, uh, you can, and I'll leave it up on my Instagram as well. So if you missed the interview, you can go back and watch it. Thanks Dwayne. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to okay. See you. Bye. Have a good day. Take care.